Looking for new threads? Well, we've got you covered at the Music Is Live podcast official merch store over at tpublic.com. Whether it's t-shirts, baseball tees, hoodies, coffee mugs, travel mugs, phone cases, or onesies for your infant rockers and metalheads, you can find everything you're looking for over at the Music Is Live podcast merch store at tpublic. Go to my link tree at l-i-n-k-a-t-r dot e-e forward slash Music Is Live podcast and get your merch today. Buy my stuff and thanks for your support. TerraNut is proud to offer you a natural nut bar chock full of healthy fats, minerals, and protein that meet your demands. Go to their website, www.terranut.com. You can order from them directly, and they will ship it to you. Use my coupon code, LUMAVS, and you will get a 25% discount on your first order. TerraNut Superfood Snacks, www.terranut.com. Don't forget to use coupon code, LUMAVS, at checkout. Fuel your life. You're listening to the Music Is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mabs, on the Rat Sound Review Network. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's Lou Mabs here. You're listening to the Music Is Life podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, been a while since I did my last episode. It's been crazy busy. Uh, family life has taken over. Uh, you know, my daughter is turning one next month. It is currently June, so next month she's turning one. So we're planning her birthday party. And she's teething, so I'm not getting much sleep. <laughs> and uh, on top of that, uh, work life is going very well. Uh, just been made permanent full-time uh, at my full-time job, so I'm very happy about that. Uh, I love what I do. If you want to know what I do, find me on LinkedIn or Facebook and you can find out because I'm here to discuss art and how art affects a life, not, you know, work life. But anyway, regardless, um, let's see what else. Uh, schedule with Hard Drive has been very, very busy. On Tuesday, June 25th, we played at the Double Deck in Patchogue. Um, the fact that people showed up is awesome considering that Tuesday we had some severe thunderstorms during most of the day and it stopped around uh, early afternoon and held up until night when we were done so that was great and as of Wednesday we actually got two more shows coming up one on Saturday June 29th at the Real in East Rockaway New York it's gonna be our first time playing there we're actually doing a four-hour show 7 to 11 so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, we actually have a uh, Yacht Club uh, event going on on July 3rd. Then I'm going on vacation with the family for about 10 days to Myrtle Beach. So looking forward to that. But the other date that we got was in August at a new venue in Huntington called Repeal 7. So that's pretty friggin' awesome. And uh, what else? Anything going on in music news today well uh apparently vinnie vincent's birthday bash is still going on but i actually want to take time out to uh thank everyone who listened to the last episode of the podcast uh where i was talking about vinnie vincent and how that's the prime example of what young musicians should not aspire to be that's been my most listened to episode of the podcast and i really want to thank everybody 
gave it a listen, who subscribed. I really appreciate it. It's gotten me over 100 listens on Apple Podcasts alone. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for making that episode a real success. Oddly enough, uh, some critiquing I got from my buddy Wayne Noon over at the Rat Salad Review saying, when you're driving in your car doing your podcast, don't have your AC and your window wipers on. It was raining really bad that night, and I just felt like, you know, you know, shooting from the hip. So, you know, I don't make any mistakes. I don't have a $5,000 microphone. I use Anchor, and I love it. And the best thing about Anchor, oh, wow, another shameless plug for Anchor, uh, is that I can record my podcast anywhere, anytime, and, you know, you get the nitty-gritty of it all. So I have no shame about that. Okay, when you're a baller on a budget, you got to do what you got to do. And if you got something to say, you go out and say it. You find any platform that you can and you just do it. No freaking shame whatsoever. Uh, What else going on in uh, music? Well, oh man, you know, the crazy thing I I read recently on Blabbermouth was about Universal Music. How one of their buildings that stored like all their music masters in California... The freaking thing caught on fire, and we're talking about like the music catalog of people like Nirvana, uh, Soundgarden, all gone. All the master recordings are gone. It's like, jeez. And right now, I know Soundgarden. Well, the three remaining members of Soundgarden, rest in peace, Chris Cornell, are right now planning a lawsuit against their former uh, record distributor, Universal. And who can blame them? I mean, you're talking about the original recordings of the great Chris Cornell and Soundgarden, all gone. You know, I, I don't think you can even digitally remaster that from a CD. You can't. How can you separate the audio tracks from a CD? And how does Soundgarden not even own their own masters? That's even more mind-boggling, considering they were one of the biggest hard rock groups, hard rock groups of the '90s. You know, you think about all the people that do own their masters. Ray Charles, rest in peace. Metallica, Motley Crue. You know, nobody can tell them what to do with their music. I think maybe even Iron Maiden owns a masters to their music. Because why? Because they're re-releasing everything again. <laughs> Personally, I preferred the 1995 Castle recordings. Uh, the Castle reissues of the Iron Maiden catalog. Because it came with a second CD of... B-sides and covers and live tunes. Of course, my favorite album, Killers, had the best um, had the best uh, packaging because their the second CD on that came with uh, Women in Uniform, an original version of Invaders called Invasion. And you may argue that, but I say no. It looks like they took Invasion and they reformatted it, rewrote the lyrics, uh, even the music, and they made it Invaders, which is the opening track on Number of the Beast. Uh, What other tracks were on that? Phantom of the Opera Live, and the entire five song Made in Japan, which is a great live EP. I mean, you want to talk about Made It at Their Prime, and I love the stuff they did with Dickinson. I I had the pleasure of interviewing Master Bruce when I was a sophomore in college, and he was nothing, nothing more than a gentleman. Um, very grateful for that, and he actually uh, called 
my college radio station, WSJU 590 AM, which is St. John's University, called me on my birthday to, uh, to, to let me interview him for 20 minutes, and he cut a station ID, and he was great. And uh, funny thing is, he actually, to, to prove that it was Proust tickets, and he hit the beginning uh, notes of Can I Play With Madness, which, again, was freaking awesome. But... I have a very soft spot in my heart for the Paul Diano era. And yeah, I know it was only two albums, but Killers to me is just the quintessential Iron Maiden album. You know, uh, some people say it's the first because of its rawness. Some people will even say Number of the Beast, which I guess is kind of obvious, but I gotta be honest with you, I, I dislike more songs on Number of the Beast than I like. Um, no, actually, you know, that's a true, that's an untrue statement. I think, you know, the thing, uh, the problem with Number of the Beast for me is that it's just, it's, it's played out. Like, I don't care if I never hear Run to the Hills again. I don't care if I, uh, I never want to hear Gangland. I can tell you that much. I can't stand that song. So I retract the last statement. I love Number of the Beast, but I, I just, I can't stand the song Gangland and I, I don't care for Run to the Hills at this point anymore. Um, you know, when they play Children of the Damned or Prisoner or, you know, the obvious title track, Number of the Beast or uh, Hallowed Be Thy Name or a song I would... Man, I don't remember if I heard it. Uh, if, I heard, if I heard them play it live, 22 Acacia Avenue. I was at the Early Years Tour in 05 when they played Ozfest. But that was the short set. They did the longer set the next night because Black Sabbath canceled their performance. So I don't remember if I heard 22 Acacia Avenue. Um, again, it was so long ago, 14 years ago. Uh, you could probably find the set list on setlist.fm. And uh, that would uh, confirm if I, uh, if I if they played it or not. But anyways, so that's all I really got for music news at the moment. Um thought I'd do something funny or something a little bit more mildly entertaining like my top 15 and you know I tried doing this episode about a month ago but I thought that the way I approached it it was very mean-spirited and I didn't want to be mean I, I was trying to be funny but you know there's being funny and then there's going into business for yourself and I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to do the latter. You know, it, it was definitely meant to be comical, but uh, I think my uh, personal biases may have uh, shown through, and that's not really cool. I mean, although you know, this this podcast is really about like you know my opinions on what I think about music and, and what music is becoming. Not just music, but all kinds of art. You know, whether it's um, music or film or even uh, literature or even wrestling. In my opinion, professional wrestling is an art form. Um, And the value that it has in our life and the value that um, it has in the lives of others. But everyone who knows me knows I'm a huge fan of Van Halen, especially the first six albums. That being said, I am not so much a fan of albums that they did with Sammy Hagar, which for me, I cannot identify that era of Van Halen as Van Halen. 
I instead refer to it as Van Hagar. In my opinion, it sounded like two completely different bands. And I preferred the primary band to the new updated version of it with Sammy Hagar. I'm not really a big fan of Sammy Hagar as a lyricist. I mean, he's wrote, he's written, <coughs> excuse me, not every song he's written was bad, but I'm just not a fan. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I didn't particularly care for the lyrics that he wrote for them. You know, while I thought Dave, David Lee Roth was a little bit, you know, out of his mind when he came to his lyrics, I think that's what made it fun. It made it fun, it made it original, and, you know, it made it kind of exciting and dangerous. With Van Hagar, I feel like it almost became a little bit more milk toast. I guess you could say that. And I know that there's a bunch of Van Hagar fans out there. I mean, there's even a tribute band on Long Island called Van Hagar. And I'm not knocking anyone who likes Van Hagar. I'm not even knocking uh, the cover band, the tribute band Van Hagar. I would suggest, you know, if you want to hear those songs, they're a great band to check out. Um, they all do a great job uh, filling their roles and playing the songs as best they can. So I would definitely say go out and support them if you're into it. Um, but as far as being a fan of the band, like the, the actual musicians who wrote it, uh, I definitely have select songs that I can appreciate, but not albums. And I'm just being, full disclosure, I'm just being honest and I'm just expressing my opinion. And I'm not knocking anyone who has a different opinion for me. It's just, you know, hey, start your own podcast if that's how you, uh, you know, truly feel about it. So that being said, this is my top five, top five, top five, top 15 most tolerated Van Hagar songs. See what I did there? I didn't say best Van Hagar songs. I said I didn't say least worst Van Hagar songs. I said most tolerated Van Hagar songs. Wow, I could come off like a condescending prick, can I? Anyway, but here is number 15 off of the 1991 album For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. And God help you if you don't understand the joke behind that. Think of the acronym. The acronym meaning the first in, the first initial of every word in that album title. And you'll get why they named it that. And if you still haven't figured it out, you're a moron. Anyway, so number 15. I'm going to give it to the song Pleasure Dome. The reason why I like this song is because the riffing in it. And I don't know if Eddie Van Halen actually did this um, knowingly or accidentally. But it sounds completely lifted from my favorite Rush song, Xanadu. 
And even in the song Xanadu, there is reference to uh, the Pleasure Dome. So it kind of makes me wonder, did, were, were they influenced by Rush when they wrote this? Because Eddie's actually gone on record and saying that he really hasn't listened to music since um, since he started playing out live with his brother. And, you know, he's also on the record of saying that the last album that he bought in the stores came out in 1986, and that was So by Peter Gabriel. Great album. Uh, it's got some of my favorite songs from him, such as Red Rain, uh, Don't Give Up, and... Uh, that voice again and of course everyone's favorite John Cusack related movie related song um <laughs> well second favorite John Cusack movie related song uh which is uh in your eyes because in my opinion the first one gotta give it off to better off dead and their usage of the song everybody wants some oh classic scene anyway so that's the reason why I like Pleasure Dome is because parts of it remind me of Xanadu by Rush, which is my favorite song from them. And I am a huge Rush fan, and I have no shame about that. So that's number 15. Uh, Number 14 um, is off the 1995 album Balance. And the reason why I like this song is because it's probably the one album that has, like, the darkest riffing that Eddie has ever done since Fair Warning. With this song being uh, being released as the first single, and it's, um, well, it, it, it it's, it's definitely a, a dark riff, uh, dark subject matter. Uh, Sammy, I know when he wrote the lyrics, it was to be something more positive, but Eddie uh, was on the record, well, Sammy was on the record of saying that Eddie wanted it a little bit more negative or more dark or more realistic, which I guess is anathema to Sammy's way of thinking, but you know, teach their own, I guess. So that song is Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do. When I first heard the song, I was at my friend Steve Penna's house. What up, Steve? It was 1995. We were hanging out at his house after school. He had cable, so we watched uh, MTV and they had premiered the new Van Halen song, and I don't know, just something about the tone of the guitar, something about, you know, the riffing in it, his guitar solo, uh, the sound of the drums, the, the the bass locking in with the drums, just everything about that song, I, I, I loved it, you know? Um, unfortunately, in my opinion, it kind of suffers from Sammy's lyrics a little bit, uh, especially the score me some heroin part, it's like, I, I think I think he could, I was I would have hoped that he would have put a little bit more effort behind that, but then again, the you know that's just a matter of opinion. Um, you know, Sammy is a, a successful multi platinum artist, and I'm running a podcast where I'm talking about my 15 most tolerated Van Hagar songs. So I digress. But anyway, uh, number 13, and this is actually a song that I've recently grown an appreciation for. Um, and that's off the 1988 album OU812, which is Black and Blue. Um, it's it's a, um, a medium-paced blues rocker. And once again, I just love Eddie's tone on it. 
Uh, lyrics aren't even that bad. And, you know, I, I enjoy it. I don't think they ever played it live. I think it was on Best of Both Worlds compilation that came out in 04. Yeah, it was. And, um, you know, not a bad song. Really isn't. Um, you know, the drums sound great in it, you know, and if you can hear Michael Anthony's bass line, uh, well enough, you know, it's, you know, he's not doing a, he's not deviating from his usual Michael Anthony, uh, trappings, which is holding down the bass note, so Eddie can do his, uh, you know, his, his, his riffing, but, you know, all in all, not a bad song, um, the next one is off the 1986 5150 album. And that one, I would have to give it to Summer Nights. Actually played it in the car uh, as the sun was setting with my wife and my daughter and dog in the car. We were driving around and everyone was happy. So the way I look at it, if a song from a lineup of a band I dislike is kind of making everyone happy, I guess I can't hate it. All right, maybe that doesn't make any sense. But like I said, you grow a pair and you get your own damn podcast. But yes, I like Summer Nights. It's happy and kind of reminds me of Beautiful Girls a little bit off of Van Halen too. So, you know, and I love Van Halen too and I love that song. So, there. there. Next song, I got to give it to, uh, again, off 5150, which is the song Dreams. Okay, all the anti-Van Hagar guys out there are probably going to say, Oh, you're a moron. Why did you get that? It's all tough. Shut up. I'll tell you why I picked that song. That song actually has some meaning for me because the first time I ever edited on... An Avid, which is an editing tool that you could get for your computer, editing program. Uh, My first uh, job as a video editor for the St. John's TV Club, where I was also the uh, person I was, I, I directed the piece, and I was also the newscaster in front of the camera. So I was doing double duty. well, no, actually triple duty for that. So I did the newscasting, I did the directing, and I did the editing for it. And for some reason, I don't know why, but I I, I took a couple of songs. Uh, which songs did I use? I used uh, Mission by Rush. I used um, Overture 1928 by Dream Theater. Uh, Friends by Joe Satriani. And I used Dreams from Van Hagar. And it really worked. And I remember the compliment that I got from that was, wow, you even made a Van Hagar song tolerable. And that actually meant something to me. I don't know. I mean, that, that I thought that was a very nice comment. I was very grateful for that. So that's why that song has some kind of meaning for me because a lot of my friends graduated that year in 2001. I graduated the following year from St. John's in 2002. So I was very grateful that for their, um, for their farewell, I was able to put that song in there and, you know, there was not a dry eye in the room. So 
I'm, I'm grateful for that. Next song after that, um, <laughs> what I think is funny though is that a lot of Sammy lyrics or even song titles, why do they always have something to do with food? Why are you comparing your love of food for your love of sex? You dirty old man. Can't even look at this the same way anymore. But I do like the song, and the song is Pound Cake. The moment they turn that uh, that drill on and Eddie's playing the drill, you know, he's, he's drilling against the pickup, and the pickup is picking up the volume from that, and that's that sound that you hear in the beginning, which... Full disclosure, he did not do that first. Paul Gilbert of Racer X did. Sorry to burst your bubble, but it's a fact. But great riff, and I love Eddie's tone on this album. I think this is when he started using a harmonizer. So, you know, he had like this... He kind of had like... The harmonizer, what it did for him was it gave him a chorusy sound mixed with some pitch shifting in there with some, uh, you know, octave usage in there and it was all available in like one one pedal and I thought it sounded great and it was probably the happiest that I've been with his tone since oof the 1984 album so I gotta give it up to Pound Cake really good really really good opening track Oh, and that was off of the 1991 Foreign Love of Cardinal Knowledge album. Next song after that, um, I got to give it up to 5150. Not uh, the tone on this uh, song isn't isn't too isn't too bad. It sounds like a lot of stuff in the 80s. Not, not that it sounds compressed, but it sounds tinny. Like you know, there's no meat behind it. You know that that's that's probably the biggest problem that I have with a lot of material that was released after 1984, and, and I'm not just talking about Van Halen, I'm talking about like a lot of bands you know, like, even take uh, two Iron Maiden albums take Power Slave and then take um, Somewhere in Time or even uh, what's the other one uh, uh, Seven Son of a Seven Son you know, Power Slave, they still have like that that meaty, hard you know, balancing your face uh, sound to it. And then once 1986 hit, it became more streamlined or less, or, you know, the, the music was less abrasive. Almost there, I say, like, more reverb was added to it. And, uh, yeah, that, that's a deal breaker for me. <laughs> Even though I love those albums. Well, I, I love um, all of Somewhere in Time. You know, Seventh Son, you know, suffers the same thing as... Uh, uh, for me, as as uh, number of the beast, where it's like you know, I like, I like uh, you know the the songs I like off of it, and the ones I don't like, I don't like. And anyway, so fifty one fifty had some great riffing, decent tone, and guitar solo in it is just killer. So I gotta give it that. Next after that is the song Judgment Day. Oddly enough. When I was a kid, I thought that since this came out in the same time as Terminator 2 Judgment Day, I was like, oh, did Van Halen write the theme song for it? 
Meanwhile, the song has absolutely nothing to do with the movie. And again, I was 10 years old. Don't judge me. But uh, probably the heaviest riff that I think Van Halen, well, Eddie, had put to tape since House of Pain, which is the final song of 1984. Um, Lyrics are eh, but, you know, Eddie's playing is just wow on it, you know? Um, His guitar solo is simple, but there's a bridge between the second chorus and the guitar solo where he's doing two-handed tapping, but it's not, you know, triplet arpeggios. It's actually, um, he's playing it in four, so he's got, I don't know how to explain it, but he's using four fingers to do the tapping, you know, and playing in a sequence of four, and it's, I remember when I first heard it, I was like, what is he doing? That's insane. And then I saw the video footage of it from the for the Awful Carnal Knowledge Tour, and I was like, oh, that's what he's doing. So I was really impressed, and I was so impressed by it to, uh, to, to, to this day. So, yeah, Judgment Day. Gotta give it that. Next is a song called Source of Infection off of OU812, which, you know, the lyrics aren't all that good. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um... I didn't know what Sammy was thinking when he wrote it, but uh, not my not my cup of tea. It's just like you know, I don't know. He sound, it almost sounds like he's doing some kind of like James Brown thing into the microphone. Yeah, flip on over. Yeah, watch me. Yeah, I'm like, dude, you're not James Brown. And yeah, Dave would do stuff like that, but Dave was good at it. <laughs> but the riff, the drums, the bass. Probably, you know, the only fast song that they did that I've liked since Hot for Teacher. I know they had Get Up off 5150, but I freaking hate that song. I don't like it at all. It's just, I mean, and I like chaos in my music, but that's just too chaotic to the point where it's just not even good, so... I, I don't even consider Get Up a, a song that I would ever put on a playlist, let alone listen to. But Source of Infection, yeah, like it. Uh, next song after that is off the 95 Balance, which is Feeling. Now, take into account, when I heard this, I was 14 going on 15, and... The young teenage boy in me That did not sound right So I will rephrase that statement To say When I was a young teenage boy uh, And dealing with Like emotional issues You know the song actually Meant a lot to me You know it, it helped me Get through a difficult time And again I I thank a lot of it I, 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 I thank Eddie for that Because of the amazing riff he wrote and the killer solo and the tone of his guitar, you know? So give him up for that. Next one is the opening track off of OU812, which is Mine All Mine. I uh, love that track uh, because I just, I don't know, like 
when, when I, I mean, yes, and, and I said I love that track, and I legitimately do love this track, I think Eddie does a killer solo on it, um, not really a guitar tone heavy song, because, you know, the, the keyboards are mostly uh, prevalent, but, you know, the clarity of his clean uh, tone in the guitar, it's just, it's beautiful, you know, especially in that, uh, in that intro part, so that's what I like about Mind on Mind, and it's actually a song of Sammy lyrics that I don't dislike, and, and again, if, if Sammy Hagar ever does listen to this, which I sincerely doubt that he will, um, I don't hate you, sir, I'm just not a fan, Okay, it's not like I'm, I, please do not think that I wish ill on you or, you know, hope you, I don't, <laughs> not going to say anything that's going to get me in trouble, but I don't wish ill on you. I'm just not a fan. But when you do good, I have no problem admitting when you do good. Okay. And obviously you have a whole slew of fans out there that love you and God bless them for it. I'm just not one of them, but I will give it to you. I will give you proper respects when, you know, when I think it's warranted and mine all mine. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Great lyrics. Okay. Don't dislike them. Next song, uh, is the opening track. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. I skipped one. Also off OU812 is all fired up. Now, why do I like this song? Well, if anybody remembers a film by Cameron Crowe from the early 80s called The Wildlife, which is unavailable, uh, you can't can't buy it on DVD, you cannot buy it on Blu-ray, I don't even think you can find it on VHS because they couldn't afford the licensing for the music, for the movie. But Eddie did the soundtrack for it which um, he wrote some great songs that he ended up turning into Van Hagar songs later on. And if you do see the movie, there's no way you can tell me that I'm wrong because one song got turned into um, Right Now. Another one got turned into All Fired Up. And there's a couple more, but I just can't remember them all at, the, at, at, at this moment. Oh, yeah. There's uh, Ripley got turned into Blood and Fire on the Different Kind of Truth album, which I love Ripley, but I love Blood and Fire that much more because it's just a killer song. And again, to me, Van Halen is Van Halen when it's Dave and Ed. And that's no disrespect meant towards Alex or Mike or Wolfgang. But the two of them have a chemistry that I think is superior to that of a Jagger Richards or a Tyler Perry. Not the movie director. I meant Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. Um, you know, like, to me, that's, that's, that's the vocal guitar team that made the biggest impact on my life as a music fan, so I give it to them, but yeah, um, All Fired Up, good track, off OUA12, check it out, next one is the opening track off of, um, 
Balance, which is Seventh Seal. Killer opening riff, and I like the little touch with the um, Benedict, uh, the the monks in the beginning doing the uh, uh, the chant. That was pretty cool. And uh, good song, great riff. Apparently, Eddie had this riff in his back pocket since the seventies. Well, I'm glad that he actually recorded it. Just too bad he couldn't record it with Roth. But I digress. Um. So now we're coming up to the last two. The second one is actually an instrumental off of Balance called Balochitharian. Love this song. Great rhythm. Great guitar playing. Great tone. Um, use this as well for a uh, piece for the TV club at St. John's. And worked very well. So I'm very proud of it. So yes, Balochitharian. Great song, great instrumental. My second favorite uh, Van Hagar era track. And now it's time for the number one most tolerable Van Hagar song. Drum roll, please. Thank you. Off of the 1996 Twister, it is Humans Being. I freaking love this song. I'm not going to lie to you. The riff, the production, the tone. Yes, even the lyrics. Yes, even the performance on all four band members. Freaking amazing. Um, just, it's so gut-wrenchingly good that I, 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 can't, I can't sing its praises any more than I already am. But yes, that is probably my favorite song from that lineup and that is my top 15 most tolerated Van Hagar songs okay so I hope you enjoyed this podcast Uh, don't know when the next one I'm going to do is but thought I'd put this out there hope you enjoyed it Uh, check out my friend's uh, J-Cat Morris and his wrestling podcast includes a kick radio, though he does a lot more than just wrestling now. So, and, uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, what up, Jay? Hope you're doing well. Congratulations on your last run. Uh, what else? Uh, well, I would give a shout out to the, um, hot tag podcast, but I think Shaheen left. So, <laughs> uh, shout out to Shaheen and Boxman. Um, Sorry that that podcast isn't around. Um, But what else? Uh, Let's see. Big shout out to Wayne and the guys over at Rat Salad Review. Uh, Shout out to Ralph Vieira, Ian Wadley of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. And finally, a shout out to Aaron and... Oh my God, why why am I having a brain fart? (laughs) The Decibel Geek Podcast. Gotta give a shout out to the Decibel Geek Podcast. Those guys are great. They've sunk my praises. And oh my God, I'm sorry. I forgot your names. Chris! Chris, that's who it is. Chris Inzak. The great Chris Inzak. Aaron and Chris Inzak. <laughs> Anyways, and a big shout out to all the guys out there. Big Bushy. And all you guys out there who are doing your opinions on the interwebs and having no shame in admitting them. God bless you guys. So that's the end of this episode. 
Hopefully I'll see you around. I'll see you at the shows. Check us out at harddriveband.com. And from there, you could also add us on Facebook, like and subscribe to us on YouTube. Yeah, we own this place. Word. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. But anyways, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, once again, thanks for letting the last episode uh, get me over 100 views. Yeah, I realize that's small peanuts, but whatever. I'm grateful. Okay, thanks and take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Listening to the Music Aside podcast brought to you by Anchor.fm and Ratsaw Review. Check out the other shows on Ratsaw Review, including Beyond Bushido, Old Man Metals Musings, The Right Opinion, The Vieira Vault, The Timo Toki Podcast, The BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, and The Friday Night Party with the Great Harry Barnett and Evie. Graphics by Rocky Baia. For commissions, find them on Twitter at R-O-C-K-Y-B-A-I-A. Intro and outro music for the show is Lose Control by The Rebel Medium, written by Jacqueline Guitard, Ernest Leyuk, and Lou Mavs. If you'd like to donate to the channel, please donate to our PayPal at musicislivepodcast at gmail.com. If you're in a band and you want us to review your music, then contact us at Mavs at musicislivepodcast.com. Special thanks to Wayne Noon and Greg Noggle. With much love and gratitude to Aaron, Anna, and Aloysius. For more information, check out www.musicislivepodcast.com. And don't forget to check out www.ratsireview.com. Remember, all art is valid. Thanks for listening. Cheers.